Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. I want to say a couple of things to you. Uh, one is this week there was a scam that went out from different text message. Uh, it wasn't my cell phone number, but it was from a cell phone number, and then it was signed uh, Peace and Love by Pastor Jonathan. So that should be your first cue, uh, is that uh, I'm not going to sign a text message to you, Peace and Love. It's just not, uh, it's not how I do. Um, but uh, So anyway, there's this scam where you, it texts people and says, hey, can you do a favor for me? And uh, so some of you got that, some of you didn't, and uh, they, they are refining their skills, right? These scammers are, and so it started with uh, an attack on our office, and so basically, uh, when I, let me rephrase this for just a second. I want to make sure that everybody knows that nothing was hacked, that no sensitive information was given up. There's so much uh, uh, public information out there, so watch this. We have a website. On our website, our email addresses are on there. So a number of months ago, Sarah was emailed by somebody pretending to be me, asking me to go buy, asking her to go buy gift cards for me to give to different people. And so uh, we quickly uh, let her know that that was not me. I was not asking her to buy gift cards. And then they turn around a month later and did the same thing to Stephanie, sent an email from Stephanie that says something like, I'm out of the office today. I'm really busy. I need you to discreetly handle something. Well, there's another red flag. I'm not going to ask you to discreetly handle uh, anything over email. And so y'all just need to know that I'm never going to ask you to go run an errand or, or buy gift gift cards for me through a text message or through, uh, or through an email or even verbally. I'm not going to ask you to go buy gift cards uh, for me. So uh, just please be aware of that. I hope that nobody fell for it. We sent an email out this, to say, look, there's a scam. It's not us. Nothing's been hacked. But um, if you receive that, that's it. And so just know we're not going to ask you for money through text messages. Every Sunday morning, I'm going to ask you for money, right? Every Sunday morning, I'm going to stand up on this stage. It's really me. It's not some uh, avatron that's up here. Uh, it's avatar, avatron, <laughs> avatar. That's, I should stick to my script. Uh, <laughs> This is not an avatar up here, but every Sunday, you know, I'm going to give us an opportunity to worship the Lord through our regular Sunday morning tithes and Kingdom Builders offerings, but I'm not calling you, texting you, or emailing you, asking for subsidies through gift cards, so, uh, or for anybody else. So just want to throw that out there. Uh, also, last week, Clint preached a powerful message and wrapped up our There Is More series, and so let's express our appreciation to him. He was in first service, and so I just want to say thanks, Clint, for listening to the voice of the Spirit, and I think you'll see throughout this message that it was a perfect uh, conclusion to the There Is More series as well as a tremendous introduction into the new series that we're starting today. If you missed last week or any week, I would encourage you to go online to YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, crosspointwaverly.com and, and listen to the previous messages. I want to do a quick survey of the room this morning to just see who my target audience is and just to see uh, who's on the same page and, and whatever. So here's the question. How many of you are the ones that when a task or an assignment is due, you get it turned in right away? You get the task or assignment done and get it completed in plenty of time before the deadline. Would you please just lift up your hands? That is amazing. Wow. Okay, cool. So here's what I want to tell you is as a church leader, as a pastor, I love you. I think you're incredible. As a human being, I don't like you. 
because I'm the complete opposite of you. And so how many fellow procrastinators are in the room this morning? Some of you are waiting a few seconds before you raise your hand just to demonstrate your proficiency in procrastination. You live by the philosophy of why would I do today what I can put off till tomorrow. And I just want to say you're my people and I'm not proud of procrastinating. It's something that I have to push back on and it has created moments of anxiety in my life. When, when I did a master's program a few years ago, the assignments were due midnight on Sunday night or one o'clock on Monday morning. Those were the two options. And I wasn't a night person then, and I'm still not a night person, but because of my propensity to procrastinate, I will tell you that I was heavily caffeinated in those wee hours of the morning and getting those assignments uh, turned in. But for the most part, we live the moments in our lives expecting and taking for granted that we're guaranteed the next. And if I'm being honest, most days I don't wake up in the morning and frame it as I better do all I can today because it may be my last. Instead, we assume that the next second and the next minute and the next hour and the next day and the next month and the next year, and for some of you in this room, the next decade is just magically going to appear and that we're guaranteed for it to happen. Anniversaries like yesterday remind us that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I remember exactly where I was 20 years ago on 9-11. I was a junior in Bible college. I was living in the dorms on campus in Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, let me tell you what it was like for those of you who are young in this room, what it was like in the dark ages. Okay? There was no such thing as a smartphone. I didn't have a cell phone. I had a beeper. It was a device that you wore on your waist, and even at that, you had to convince your father and your mother uh, to let you get one, because there was this line as a teenager that your parents would say to you that only drug dealers and other people with professional uh, occupations that you wouldn't want to talk about are the only ones with beepers, and you're neither, so you don't need one. I'm like, Dad, I need a beeper. It's like our kids with cell phones these days. When our kids were younger, we held out for a really long time, and so they would say to us, we are the only losers in our entire school that don't have cell phones. And I'm like, that's fantastic. That means that no matter wherever you are, there are people with cell phones. <laughs> if you are literally the only losers in the school that don't have one, it's fine. Your neighbor's got one. You can borrow from them and make a phone call if there's an emergency. So uh, no cell phones, no smartphones. Uh, we, it was a conservative school. We couldn't have TVs in our rooms. There was definitely no cable TV uh, in there, much less any internet. I don't think we had internet in our rooms until my senior year of college. But there were some super rebellious kids across the hall who snuck a TV into their room. And so that morning when I walked, super rebellious with sarcasm, but that was their level of sinning on the campus. You know, that was how they rebelled against the leadership. I'll show you. I'm going to have a TV in here. It's for video games. Uh, so they were, it's so crazy. I mean, to think that two decades ago, we had to wear suits uh, to lead worship and chapel. So it just, it's a different day. Uh, some of you are like, you could still wear one today. Uh, I will, at your wedding or at your funeral. So I need to focus. So I walked down the hallway, and uh, this kid has a TV on, and he said, hey, take a look at this. And uh, there was video on the news of an airplane that had crashed into the World Trade Center. And as the horrific events of that day unfolded, I remember that classes were canceled and that we gathered together in the chapel, and we just spent time in worship and in prayer for, uh, for our nation. Now, I remember this primary thought that I had that day was how many people were just ushered into eternity without Jesus? My heart was broken. 
Nearly 3,000 people woke up that morning assuming that they would have another day, another opportunity. And for 3,000 people, that day never came. I wonder what was left undone. I wonder how many relationships had not been reconciled, hurts unresolved, how many promises had not been fulfilled, how many people had not experienced spiritual salvation, dreams not realized, goals not accomplished, how many people shoulda, coulda, woulda. Anniversaries of dates like 9-11 remind us of the fragility of life, and I just want to tell all of us that we better not leave anything undone. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So this morning, we're going to start a new sermon series called, I'll Do It Today. I'll Do It Today. And there are some things that we simply cannot afford to procrastinate on. Scott Hagen, the president of North Central University, says procrastination doubles the price of everything. And so I'll just tell you this morning that I'm excited to share in this series what I believe the Holy Spirit has placed on my heart for these weeks and to see what God is going to do. One of the most obvious decisions that we should not put off till tomorrow is becoming a follower of Jesus. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, he says, Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let's pray today. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us, open up our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you would have for us. And God, I pray that today, for those who haven't made a decision to follow after you, that by the end of this service, that today they would make that commitment and become a follower of you, that today would be their day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I would love to develop a whole message today uh, around this theme of salvation being for today, but instead, I'm going to plant that seed there, and again, trust that the Holy Spirit's going to work in your heart, and by the end of the service today, that you'll make that decision to become a follower of Jesus if you haven't already. This morning, I want to go in a different direction. I believe that one of the greatest weapons that the enemy uses is isolation. Now, I realize that uh, some of you in here this morning are introverts, and I'll just tell you that for most of my life, I was an extreme extrovert. Imagine that. (laughs) Surprise. And so as I've gotten older, I can't point to an exact moment or to an event, but there has been a shift where I have moved from extreme extrovertism to just being an extrovert, and so now I'm beginning to understand the value that you introverts place on alone time. And my wife is like, thank you, God, you do exist, as my wife is an introvert. So there's a greater appreciation I have for, uh, for introverts as well as alone time and being recharged by that. But this morning, I'm not talking about your natural propensity or your tendencies. Instead, introverted or extroverted, we all are wired to be in relationship with one another. God has wired all of us to be in community with others. And here's what's happened over the past couple of years. Due to a global pandemic, we were isolated. In addition to the isolation that came from the pandemic was the severe polarizations uh, that we experienced on a number of levels that, and a number of issues that pushed people to isolation. And here's what I know in this room, that there are some of you who love confrontation. And so every day in the last 18 months, you have awakened to a new battle, You're living your best life now because you're like, in this politically charged, emotionally charged climate, I get to wake up every day and engage in battle. You're like, what can I post on social media today that's going to stir it up? 
You're like, yeah, I'm getting up early for this and staying up late. What family member can I let have it today? Let's go. You, some of y'all are pointing at your neighbors. Don't do that. So there are some of you who love confrontation, and you have loved the last 18 months because it's been full of it. The other 90% of you in this room are like, I've got my morals and my values and my convictions, but I just I want to avoid the conflict. And for some of you, the easiest way to do that is just to avoid being around everyone. Can I tell you, we need each other. We need people who act like, think like, talk like us, and we also need people who don't act like, think like, talk like, and believe like us. We need everybody. And so I don't know how we've been brainwashed into thinking that if someone doesn't believe exactly like us on every issue that we can't worship together or even be friends, but I'll just tell you it's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm going to say it again. I don't know how we've been brainwashed into thinking that if someone doesn't believe exactly like us on every issue that we can't worship together, much less be friends, but I'm just going to tell you it's a lie from the pit of hell. So due to the pandemic and polarization, people have been isolated. Relational patterns and habits have been established that need to be broken. How many of you have seen what happens to an animal on the African Sahara when it gets isolated? Okay, not enough of you. I should have put it on video this morning so you could have the graphic image. Let me just tell you what happens. I'm going to spare you the imagery, but I'm going to tell you that when an animal gets isolated, the enemy attacks that animal and takes its life, and it becomes fuel for the enemy. And I'm just going to tell you in a spiritual sense, this is what uh, Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The enemy's looking, seeking for someone to devour, and he's like a lion. He isn't going to try and go after the group. Instead, he's going to go after the ones that are isolated. And then when he devours the one that's isolated, it's going to provide motivation and fuel for him to move on and do it to the next person. And I just want to tell you that I'm committed in my life. I don't want to give the enemy a Ritz cracker worth of nourishment and motivation to take me down or to take someone else down. And the way that we do that is not by living in isolation. Instead, it's by living in community. So two weeks ago, I made the statement that a church empowered by the Holy Spirit is unstoppable. And I want to add to that today that when we partner the Holy Spirit empowerment with deep, endearing relationships, look out. When we partner the Holy Spirit empowerment with deep, endearing relationships, look out. I feel the urgency and the importance of this message today because today is the day that all need to come out of isolation and re-engage and be reconnected to community. And some of you think I'm just talking about in-person attendance, and that's not what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm fully aware of today is that there are some of you who are sitting in this room today and you've been attending for weeks in person on Sunday mornings, but yet emotionally you're disconnected from everybody in the room. And so you come in and you live in isolation, you show up, you worship with us, but then you leave and there's no connection during the week. I would encourage you today to make the decision to re-engage. Over the past couple of months, we've seen a tremendous spike in attendance. We praise God for that. It's been fun to see some who, uh, who've been away reconnect, as well as new families who've attended our church, who are like, this is our tribe, these are our people, and I just want to say welcome, we're glad that you're here. 
There have been several weeks over the last few months where we've had attendance at the same level or even higher than what we had in 2019 pre-pandemic days. And so I'm just telling you, God's up to something, and it's fun to see that the church is growing. I've shared that there's this great expectation in my spirit for the months to come, and it it just is. I'm telling you, uh, y'all, let's be ready for it. The church is growing. It's a great thing. And in fact, based off of the mission that Jesus gave us before he ascended into heaven to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's not an opportunity for any church on the planet to cut back in any season. But instead, we've got to fully engage until the mission has been accomplished or until Jesus comes back. So as we grow larger, we also need to get smaller because everyone matters. And the way that we get smaller is in small groups. People experience freedom in small groups. And listen, there is a testimony that's going to be shared at 3 o'clock today in this room at a sisterhood event. And I wish, I wish that I could share that testimony with you right now of, of, of a woman in particular that in a sisterhood small group experienced freedom. But my wife leads the sisterhood ministry of this church, and if I were to spoil that and ruin that thunder for tonight, uh, it would not be a good day for me. So here's what I'm going to tell you. You don't want to miss 3 o'clock today in this space. There are some ladies that are going to be sharing about what God's been doing in their heart. And, uh, and so you don't want to miss today at 3 o'clock. Some of you are like, I've not signed up. Don't worry about it. You're like, I haven't paid for it. Don't worry about it. It's my wife, Erica. Uh, just show up at 3 o'clock today. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. But in a sisterhood small group, someone, and that's just one story of many, someone who's experienced freedom. In small groups, you get close enough to people to have meaningful celebration, uh, and and you can share in each other's hurts. Each week, uh, as a staff, we gather together and we celebrate wins, and I'm just telling you, the last couple weeks, it's been pretty uh, fun as I I take notes on a little journal, and it's filling up almost an entire page of just wins that are taking place. I want to share with you one that PG shared on Tuesday in our last staff meeting. He said uh, that there's a boy who comes on Sunday morning who receives specialized care because of the needs that he has. And normally his family comes to a specific service, and so we have that staff to accommodate that. But last week, the family came to an unexpected service time. But last week, Nick and Kelsey Baker were serving in the first through fifth room, and I was told that they extended a level of care to that kid, that that last Sunday was one of the best Sundays that he's ever experienced, and it wasn't even the person who was trained uh, to be in there for that. And so we celebrated that as a win, Nick and Kelsey back there. This young man was able to have an incredible Sunday because uh, the volunteers stepped up and made it happen. This past week, Pastor Madison shared what's been happening with the youth and with the college ministry, and she said, I, I, don't, I can't even imagine what it would be like to not be part of a team that we could celebrate these wins together. So watch this. That could happen in a couple of different ways. Number one, if a team feels jealousy towards another teammate to where then they can't celebrate the wins because somebody's going to get their feelings hurt uh, because they don't, the jealousy is there or to be doing ministry in isolation and neither is the ha- happening here. Uh, instead, we're together as a team and we're united and we celebrate each other's wins. But she said, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be experiencing what we're experiencing right now with youth and college ministry and not be able to celebrate that with anybody. In small groups and in staff, we get to celebrate things together. So rarely do I talk about specific numbers from the stage on a Sunday morning. It's not all about the numbers to us. We keep track of the numbers and uh, we know what the numbers are, but rarely do we talk about the numbers. But I feel like you need to know what's happening. 
So we have a phenomenal youth ministry. Directly below this space is a basement gym that was converted into a top-notch youth facility, probably one of the best in the state. I mean, it is phenomenal. And last Wednesday night, two Wednesday nights ago, Pastor Madison had a big outreach night. And 130 teenagers from our community showed up into this building below here. If she would have asked me last week, which I told her never do, if she would have asked me last week how many people do I think would come back this week, I would have told her 80 people. And what's even crazy to think is that 80 sounds like a low knife for the youth right now. Like, that's incredible. And some of you are like, well, why would you have guessed low? Well, because I'm conditioned for Easter Sunday to be the largest attended Sunday of the year, right? So look at our attendance spreadsheet, what happens Easter. All of you, your family, your friends, all the community, they say, Easter, we can't skip church on Easter. But then there are some people who are like, wow, that was awesome. Mm, That was good enough for two weeks. And so they skip the following. There are some who are like, raw, that was good enough. I can wait till Christmas to come back. And so... So we have this huge high and then a low, and so I would have just assumed. And so last week, this past Wednesday night after this huge event, there were 116 students that showed back up to the Movement Youth Ministry. The numbers aren't the most important thing or the most impressive. Instead, the fruit of the ministry is the most important. The life transformation that's taken place is the most important. And so what she celebrated specifically this past Wednesday night is she said this 10th grade girl's mom texted her after service on Wednesday night, and she said, my daughter and her 10th grade friend came to the service tonight, and they said, we have never experienced the presence of God like we did last night, and we are, and, and she said, Our, my daughter is fired up. Y'all, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. This church is raising up the next generation of worshipers and church leaders, and the future is bright. This past Wednesday night in this building, there were nearly 200 children between the ages of 0 and 18 years old in this space on Wednesday night. That's crazy. And so some of you are like, my kids weren't here. Well, make sure that they're here. 6.45 to 8 o'clock, all levels of children's ministry. Small groups are happening too. If you haven't noticed, we're talking about that today. And, uh, and so there might be some of you who are like, man, I want to be a part of what God's doing in the spiritual development of these kids and of these teenagers in the college ministry. And so I just want to tell you, there's room for you. And so find Pastor Madison today, find PG, the guy who did the Baptist baptisms, and, uh, and we'll make sure to get you plugged in. There are already so many of you who are part of sisterhood small groups, grief share, men of iron small groups, and Wednesday night small groups. And the reason why I'm talking to you this morning about community and small groups is not because small groups are suffering. Instead, I'm talking to you about the importance of small groups today, number one, because it's important, and secondly, I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out. And so I'm going to ask that at the end of the service today, that you would step out any of these doors and that you would come to the center of the hallway, and there is a table where you can sign up for any of those small groups. And how it works is you put your name on the list, and then you get placed into, Pastor Dan will make sure that you get placed into an amazing group for you. And so last week, the uh, small group started, but there's still room for you, and don't let that keep you from jumping in this week. We believe that life change happens in the context of relationships, and small groups are a place for us to connect with one another. And I'm not saying that connection doesn't take place on a Sunday morning, but I'm just telling you the level of connection that takes place in a small group is much greater than what you can experience on a Sunday morning. 
And so who should be part of a small group? Well, I would propose to you that everyone should be part of a small group. Because everyone matters and everybody needs relationship. And so if you're old to the church, if you're new to the church, I would encourage you to be part of a small group. We need your voice at the table. In the book of Acts, you can read about how small groups meeting in homes helped lay the foundation for tremendous growth in the first church in Jerusalem. There are a couple passages we'll look at here in Acts chapter 5, verse number 42. It says, And every day in the temple... And from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Luke goes on to write in Acts chapter 20, verse number 20, How did I not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house? So I'll just tell you, logistically, most of our small groups are hosted here in the church building. There are some that can, we're not opposed to uh, small groups meeting in homes, but most of them happen here. And there's children's ministry provided for that. And so that even eliminates that excuse for you. To continue the momentum that we're experiencing as a church, small groups are vital so that people feel connected. We're not made to do life alone. God created us for community, and small groups provide a place for you to connect with others, share life, and grow in faith together. Small groups are a place for us to grow together. Proverbs chapter 27, verse number 17 says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. We believe every person is created with God-given potential to make a difference in the world. Small groups are a place where you can grow with others and to become more like Jesus and reach the potential that God has put inside you. In addition, small groups are a place for us to protect each other. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. When we do life together, our problems become smaller as God uses others to bring support and encouragement in our lives. Small groups become a place where others just know your, not only know your name, but they care about what's happening in your life, and they come alongside to support you in your spiritual journey. Look, I know one of the reasons why some of you don't want to be part of a small group, and it's this, there are some of you who are scared to get close to people. You're scared that if you get close to someone, they're going to see your flaws and think less of you. So as an act of protection and self-preservation, you think that the best option is to isolate. And we've already talked about how that's not the best plan. The reality is in a small group, you're going to be known, which means vulnerabilities will be exposed. But with that, healing and freedom can be experienced. Over the last couple of months, I've agonized over a personal decision that I needed to make. I needed to have surgery to fix a deviated septum. And, uh, and the, the choice to make was whether or not I would have it done in Waterloo where I didn't know anybody or whether I would do it at the Waverly Health Center where no less than four nurses from our church would be part of that procedure as well as an anesthesiologist. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, I'm not better than anybody else, but I've never been drunk, I've never been high, and I've never been high on anesthesia, and I was not confident that I wanted that first experience to be with people that I attend church with. So I expressed these concerns to PG, and he said, you know, I've, I've also wondered that. You know, when I've gone under anesthesia, you know, like there's some language that I heard when I was a child that I'm wondering, I'm worried, would that come out? Y'all, we have a godly children's pastor. We have a pure-hearted children's pastor. You know what I told him? I said, you're so godly. I said, those words aren't that far back in my memory bank. <laughs> 
So I don't verbalize them, but I'm telling you, they're not that far back in my mind. So what will happen when, when, when I'm under anesthesia? Will I swear in front of these dear people from our church? Well, that's not good. Will I wake up feeling flirtatious with any of the nurses in the room? Another fear. That won't go over well either. So I expressed these concerns with Sarah, and I finally came to this conclusion. As a pastor, I counsel with people in very vulnerable situations. And not one time have I taken advantage of them or broken a confidence. And so here's the conclusion that I came to. These are professional people with professional obligations. And so I decided to have it done at the Waverly Health Center and to take that risk. And so I showed up for surgery, and Jean Stauffer, the first nurse from our church, shows me to my room, and she says, see that bag right there? That's where all your clothes go. But don't worry, we've provided for you this really sexy gown. <laughs> yeah, so after I got all dolled up, <laughs> two nurses who don't attend our church came in, and the first one was training, so I took one for the team. So she blew out the vein in my right hand and said, wow, you have really thick hide. I think that's a good thing these days, to have thick skin, right? Some of you need to practice and have some thick skin. So then the next nurse, bless her heart, uh, blew out the vein in my left arm. And so they didn't have any more IV catheters in the room, and so they had to slip out. And, uh, and so then Tasha Broom, uh, an anesthesiologist, part of our church, comes in to the room and she's like, hey, fancy me and you here. I'm like, likewise, ah, you know. <laughs> and so she said to me, are you allergic to anything? To which I responded, yes, being poked multiple times for nothing. And she looked at me and she's like, I got you. And so when the nurses came back in, she took the IV catheter, stuck it in my left hand like a boss like a boss, and everything was good to go, and it was wonderful. And I'll just tell you, for those of you who've never had surgery, they ask you the most personal questions on the planet. So after I get the IV in, Tasha can see that I'm anxious. She can see that I'm worked up. I really was. Like, I'm completely comfortable in hospitals praying for you. I'll gladly say to you, you got this, there's nobody better. I wasn't scared of dying that day, I was just scared of the unknown, just super worked up and anxious internally, maybe externally. And so Tasha, seeing that I'm anxious, offers me this pre-op IV drug cocktail to relax me, and I'm telling you, it did the trick. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Tasha. But the compassion and care that I received was because I was willing to be vulnerable and was with someone who knew me and could see that I needed help. And so I leave from that pre-op room to go into surgery. They roll me in there. And this lady says to me, my favorite case of the day. And I said, why is that? Am I your last? And she goes, no, I'm your pastor. She goes, no, you're my pastor. And I'm like, oh, Lord, the anesthesiologist and a nurse was going to come out today. And so I just couldn't recognize because everybody had hats on and masks on and whatever. So I just couldn't recognize it. It was Tammy Schneider uh, in the room. And so I recognized her after that. And just so you know, yes, they even had a head covering over my head. Uh, so it's good in case anybody wondered. 
So my worst nightmare is coming true. Like somebody is in the room, it's gonna be there when I wake up. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna say? Within seconds, I was taking a nap. And the next thing I know, all I can remember, I don't, is this, and uh, was not, uh, tremendous words for a competitive person. I hear this. Well, he did a lot better than the last guy. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I don't know how good that is, but at least I did better than the last guy. And so I wake up and my brain is clear. And I get rolled into, I mean, I wake up in recovery, brain's clear. I'm not saying anything out of my mind. Who knows if I did before? And the world will never know because they told me what happens in the operating room stays in the operating room. And so I get rolled into the room where Erica is, where she has her phone on standby because she is wanting the craziest, funniest videos of me saying stupid stuff. And it didn't happen. So you can clip your... Keep your clapping down. So then during post-op, yet another nurse from our church comes in, Kristen Jensen, and she takes care of me. And uh, I'll just tell you that these ladies did their job as an act of worship unto God and extended a level of care and comfort that I would not imagine possible. And there are some of you right now who are living with so much fear. You're so afraid and, and of whatever. And you're scared that if you get involved in community or in small groups that you'll be put in a vulnerable position where people are going to judge you and think less of you. And I just want to tell you that that day my greatest fear became the greatest blessing. And I believe that your greatest fear can become your greatest blessing. That as you step into a small group, you'll find a tremendous level of relationship and care. You'll also realize that you're not alone. And so in a small group, people are willing to share their stuff and be vulnerable and ultimately experience freedom because they don't feel judged, they feel loved. And so just a pastoral note for those of you who are part of a small group, you have an obligation to let what happens in the small group stay in the small group. In order for people to experience vulnerability and experience freedom, there has to be trust. And trust is built through relationship over time. And so please don't make a liar out of me. Please don't take your small group to use that as an effort to, uh, to do something to somebody or for it to be a gossip session outside of that. I'm telling you, the Bible's very clear on why we shouldn't do that. But here's what I promise you, church, that if you'll step out in this season, and if you'll choose today to be part of a small group and to live in community with one another and be vulnerable with one another, you'll experience freedom. And I know for some of you, the fear is too great. The fear is that somebody's going to think less of you or judge you. And I just want to beg you and urge you today to experience the blessing that can come from being in community. That greatest fear of mine, some of you might relate to it, some of you might not relate to it, but I'm just telling you, I was anxious out the wazoo super worked up about what was going to happen. But it was the biggest blessing as people who knew me took care of me. And when we live in community with one another, then people are going to see us in all seasons and they're going to take care of us. Some of you maybe have withdrawn from small groups or a church and you've been isolated long enough and I just want to encourage you to come back. And if you've been isolated even emotionally from one another, join a small group. At the end of this service today, step out these doors. Right out there in the hallway, in the middle, there are tables where you can sign up for Grief Share. You can sign up for Men of Iron small groups, Sisterhood small groups, and our regular Wednesday night small groups. So make a decision today. Don't put it off. Don't wait till next semester. Don't wait till next session, but make that decision today. We bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room.
Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You say, today I need to enter into a relationship with him. Or maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. Just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, that's me. I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Let's stand all across this room. There was at least one hand that went up this morning of someone who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or needs to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you raised your hand or you prayed that prayer online, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998, 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made and the journey that God's going to take you on. We save time at the end of our service for the prayer team to come forward and for the worship team to lead us in another song. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As soon as the worship team begins to, uh, to sing this song, I would ask that if you've come here today with any need, that you would step out of your chair today and allow one of these uh, people to pray for you this morning. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.